Hi everyone, and welcome to a very, very special edition of Marvelous Podcast, where we're going to talk all about the Black Widow film released May 2020, June 2020, July 2020, <laughs> August 2020, and eventually in July 2021. We are so excited to have finally seen it. As ever, I'm joined by Laura and Abby. Hello. 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 Let's let's do the big impressions. Uh, Laura, what did you think of Black Widow? You've been so excited about this for a very long time. 2010, perhaps, since. Yes, since 2010. It was all right, wasn't it? <laughs> it was fine, past a couple of hours. <laughs> I adored it. I've now seen it three times. Nice. Um, two at Cinema, two at home. No, one at Cinema, one at home. God, <laughs> I told you it was a bit dopey today. One at Cinema, twice at home. Um, I really liked it. I thought it's grounded, funny, great action, emotion. I thought they did the feminist angle really well, but in a much more subtle way than we've seen with Captain Marvel and that god-awful um, endgame scene. Um, I think this kind of more grounded approach suits Widow. She's not an alien god. She's not a super soldier. You know, she she is a spy. Um, and Kate Shortland, the director, was saying that for her, the theme is women reclaiming their agency in a man's world which I Mm -hmm. thought they did that very well. It's my favourite standalone MCU up there. Wow. I can't can't say my absolute favourite because I'm not very good at doing superlatives for MCU because there's just too many of them, (laughs) but it's up there Black Panther, Winter Soldier and uh, Thor Ragnarok for me, which are my top ones. Excellent. Oh, good, good, Mm. good. I'm glad it delivered. Yes. Abby, what did you think? If you don't mind, I'd like to start with, Matthew, you said I wasn't going to like this film. Tell me more Mm -hmm. about why you thought this. Uh, because it's it's in the sort of MCU world that you're not so fond of, the Civil War end of the world, mm. and because a lot of the humour and some of the dialogue was quite snarky and catty at times, which I think you're also not fond of. You like it when it's nicer and more natural to the people rather than how much bantery can we be? I'm glad I asked. Um, I bloody loved it. It yes! is my... <laughs> It's not Guardians 2, but it could well be my second favourite Marvel film. Mm. I absolutely adored it. Oh, there you yeah. go. Excellent. Good. <laughs> Good. I am very pleased the reverse psychology worked. <laughs> <laughs> I know that proving me wrong is more important than your actual feelings. So That's right, fine, Matthew. Fine, fine. It was all about you. <laughs> but I was, I was interested. As I was going through, I was thinking, I don't know what Matthew thinks about me. <laughs> <laughs> but when, th- what you say adds up yeah because when Matthew said it on um, the last Loki mm. I was also thinking oh I wonder why he thinks that and then after I was thinking no yeah it is quite along the kind of a lot of it's the Captain America Winter Soldier side of things which it's not keen on. I can't tell you how much it's not okay. but I can't wait to explore it <laughs> okay, <cool. laughs> so Matthew what I, do you think? Uh, yeah really enjoyed it as well it's not for me Thor Ragnarok, Guardians 1, Doctor Strange, some of the ones I absolutely adore. It's, it's at least, you know, top 10. Mm. You know, I thought it was exceptionally well done. I, I agree with you. I think the uh, feminist message, in inverted commas, mm. is much more subtle here than they did with Captain Marvel, than Wonder Woman did. Uh, and I, I am completely on, uh, okay and on board with those films having done the, it can be really shit for women in the world. Mm. So let's explore that with a woman who is more powerful than all the men around her and what that means this takes it in a different direction of the real world and and like you say grounded 
you know, a real story of men abusing their power over women mm. and just finding more and more ways to abuse that power. And, yeah. and and I liked it with them, like you say, reclaiming their power, but not doing it in a, she does a pose with, we can do it, you know, the, the <laughs> ah, Rosie the Riveter pose, something yeah. along those lines, which, you know, they could have gone that direction. I feel like they did it without um, having to beat us over the head with it, for want of a better word. I think... I think this it wasn't necessarily that it was for me. It wasn't that it was subtle. It was that it's more sophisticated. Mm, exactly. Because I mean, yeah. it's it's throughout the entire theme of the the film. You know, so the director yep. says what she saw as a theme, mm. and the whole thing. You know, the only resource um, that the world has too much of girls. You know, it was all pretty full on in mm-hmm. that. But I just think it was more sophisticated the way it's woven through. It wasn't kind of like we're stamping feminism on the top of this. Yep. Yep. But it took a very long time to get to that point mm. of explicitly talking about it just throughout it was about the men's control over the women which yeah, yeah sophisticated is another very good way of saying it mm. the bit where he says budapest and she says budapest is that a mansplainy isn't this is that, what women isn't just that deal about with every day? they say it differently on different sides of the river or is that not true i thought that was a call but i hadn't thought of it as mansplainy um okay. i'd taken it as being um there was there was quite a bit of discussion from Oh God, was it Avengers or Ultron? I can't remember. Where um, Clint and um, and Natasha are talking about Budapest, and he mm-hmm. says Budapest, and she says Budapest, oh. and there was quite a bit of just not in the film. Sorry, they say that in the film, and then it moves on. Um, but there was quite a bit of sort of fan discussion about the fact that oh, that's because she's Russian, and there's this big kind okay. of that's a nice little nod to her backstory. So I don't know okay. if that's why they did it. Yeah. But. My favorite part was the silence. Just the amount of times that men say things and they don't have an earpiece, no one's in the room, nobody cares. I just <laughs> and I thought that constant it is constant deplatforming. It mm. is constant disinterest in, in grand speeches and things. But also in in a balanced way, like in times where, you know, men do have something to say and he yes. is trying to communicate and he is doing his best and that is how he communicates. Um so about Alexi. Alexi um in yeah. the room with I have only just seen this film, so the names are still adding up yes. to me. <laughs> Alexi in the room <laughs> with Elena and he is trying to communicate with her. He is first of all speaking as he does in, in a grand way and mm-hmm. um and then kind of moves into singing and, and just trying to find the way to communicate with her. He is working mm-hmm. on communicating with her. And I really enjoyed that it, it doesn't just show one thing. It doesn't say, men always do this. It's so annoying. It's more, sometimes it's difficult, you know, to talk. I will say that I think the best line in the whole film is, you haven't seen me for 20 years and you want to talk about you. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, Kate. I just, that that is absolute nutshell. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Many yeah, and they, they do give him, I don't think they necessarily give him a full redemptive arc, but, um, you know, then when he's doing, and yes, it's a grandstanding speech in the cell when he thinks he's talking to mm-hmm. Nat, but the content of it is is um, worthy, you know, where he is saying, you know, I was interested in the glory in that, but it wasn't worth giving up you two girls. And then um, he tries to do it again. It's clearly yes. something. And, and you know, people people are like this. People talk this way. People do rehearse and practice, and particularly men mm. with power they would like to maintain. You know, it mm. is it is a, a practice. And mm. I thought it was a great character observation. Yeah. The one thing on this film is it does make me think how much I would have adored it if it had come out between Civil War and 
Infinity War. Well. Because, I mean, I adore it now, but there was always that, there is that little bit. I was going to say there was all the, all the way through, but there wasn't because I think I forgot it partway through because I was a bit shocked at the end. But the whole thing that, well, Nat's dead. Mm. And so I think over the beginning, and I think if I hadn't had that, if this was then potentially the launch into fran- you know, a further franchise with her, mm-hmm. it would have been so exciting. But also, it probably wouldn't have been the same film in 2016. We wouldn't have got this film in 2016. Yeah. So We, we so needed you know, that... people to go to prison before we could have this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, no, absolutely. Yeah. For me, one of the things that I was hoping for from this film was to explain why it took so long to come. Justify mm. not making this. Because the, the only line I've ever seen is Kevin Feige being asked about it and, and making a comment of, we have so many films on the slate, we can't fit it in until this point. And it's like, well, no, you chose to prioritise those films. You chose yeah. to prioritise, Abby, I know you love it, but Guardians 2, mm. for instance, which, which is disposable in the larger... Um, Infinity War sequence. I wonder watching this and seeing Scarlett Hansen talking about it and knowing how much she pursued the director for this mm-hmm. film, I wonder how much she had a strong disinterest in the Black Widow film she was offered previously. Mm-hmm. I Because this feels, as you say, a film that could really only be done now. And mm-hmm. I don't think she had any interest in showing a sort of almost a torture porn version yeah. of well, this story which, which could have been. i mean look at the flashbacks that we've had in, in have, previous have you things. seen red sparrow yes which i felt was a film that hated women and wanted to show how far mm. it could push it yeah. and mm. it was it was pretty abhorrent and this is just not that thing and, and I, I i always thought red sparrow was trying to be hey let's make the black widow film that mcu will not make well it. that and was the conversation that just, that was had around Red Sparrow, mm. wasn't it? And everyone was like, actually, turns out we didn't want to watch that. <laughs> yeah. But this is very far from that, and and it does so much more for her character and for the MCU. And also what I particularly like, and this is for me why it's, it's different from Winter Soldier and so on, is it takes it outside America, and it says there are large other things in the world that are happening, and yes, the Avengers can't jump in and solve all of them, Hmm. But but it, it just shifts focus massively and stays there, you know, hmm. and it it only kind of come back comes back to Shield as, as a rapper, um and and to Natasha and the Avengers as as the rapper for the film. It is about other things and other places. Hmm. And I really, really like that. You know, not hmm. everything it was it was almost outside the MCU outside the MCU itself. It felt very separate. Yeah, I think its sequel element, sorry, it's sequel, its prequel element means that they aren't then using it to set up other things other than the credit. And whilst uh, the I think credit. the worst thing in, that Marvel has done is um, is kill that off, in particularly the way that they have, um, mm-hmm. I think that that did make it a weirdly relaxing experience in a sense because we know, well, we know the end of her story and we know that it sucks. But it doesn't mm. mean that we can't enjoy the middle. And it it was odd to kind of come back and, and do that character justice. And I I did say that at, at the end to my good wife, um, it's just as well we didn't see this in the cinema because I would have stood up at that end credit scene and cheered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the big chat in the cinema as well. Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah this would be good. Yeah. 
I, I've seen an article that made a comment of, you know, we know Florence Pugh is in the Hawkeye series, so we're expecting that sort of like, well, I didn't know, but I'm yeah. very pleased to know. Like, I didn't, I if didn't that know. Is, yeah, exactly. If that is, she goes and, and, and just to be clear, everyone, we are going to be spoiling and talking every detail mm-hmm. of this film. So mm. if she goes to the Hawkeye series and kills Clint Barton and befriends Hayley Steinfeld, I am all over it. Absolutely. I, I can't think two, of a better thing. I think those two things could be quite difficult if Hawkeye's meant to be <laughs> meant to be um, Kate Bishop's mentor. Well, but... if he's anything like Jeremy Renner, she'll be fine to step aside, <laughs> you know. So let's let's talk that um that scene then. It was so exciting to see Val. I totally <laughs> forgot she was rocking up. <laughs> I didn't know that she would be there, so that was that was nice. That Great. was yeah. There was talk that this was going to be the intro to her. I do wonder mm. how much they edited this now that it was the wrong way round. Mm-hmm. Whether we got oh. the whole speech about her being Valentina Blur. Um, Contessa Valentina de Yeah, yeah. <laughs> although that wouldn't work because uh, Elena already, uh, obviously already knows her from and is already working with her. I didn't, this is the thing where I said I'd kind of forgotten about what happened with mm-hmm. that once I really got into the film because it didn't click to me that this was Nat's grave until you saw at the bottom this uh, daughter, sister Avenger. Yeah. And then it was kind of like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and there was actually. I was in a not full cinema at all because I deliberately aimed for that. And there'd been, you know, obviously there'd been reactions to the film, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like moments in a full Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. cinema. Um, and there was this audible, it wasn't quite a gasp, it was a, oh, kind of yeah. noise that went yeah. up when people realised it was, you know, it was um, her grave. Uh, but that and then the whistling, that did get me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I I quite like that it informs a little bit of the story in Endgame because Nat is pretty broken in that film and Mm. and doesn't have anywhere to go. And it does inform a bit that at least Yelena probably got snapped. I think Yelena must have been. Yeah, she had two families and suddenly most of them got taken away and her to go and be able to sacrifice herself to bring them back. I still don't agree with it in the larger mm. picture of things. But from Nat's perspective, it adds a little bit more to, okay, yeah, you know, I can see quite how she she had so much more than just, I want to help bring the Avengers back. Mm. Yeah. I think, actually, it makes, this film makes me less certain about the Endgame ending because I hated it when I saw it and then I kind of came to terms with it on the basis, well, if they'd stuck Cliff over that, uh, Clint over that cliff no one really would have cared. So it wouldn't have had the impact that they needed. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you don't need people cheering at that bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and this whole, you know, the justification that was given for it was that she's had this read in her ledger. This was her, the end of her arc. This was her redeeming herself. And I kind of, much as I didn't like them killing off one of my favourite characters, I was kind of, okay, look, do you know what? If it's going to happen, I can buy it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you look at this, she brought down the red room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as redeeming herself, and then the whole thing, you know, the the I can't remember if it was in the film, if it was just the commentary around the film, this idea that it shouldn't have been Clint because he had family. Mm-hmm. Which well, itself, women do only have problems. value if they have family. Exactly. Mm. <laughs> um, but even that argument doesn't then really play out if Yelena. Yeah. Because his family was snapped as well. Mm. So what even about if the Yelena dog? was snapped. Yes, Fanny the dog. Uh, so so yeah, and I'm I'm really curious for the Hawkeye um, series, which I 
honestly couldn't have said I was before. Um, but if the, if the idea is, if the Hawkeye series is to make us like Clint, putting our maps against Yelena is not going to do that because I'm going to be rooting for her. <laughs> but I just, I was really hoping that the Hawkeye series was not at all about Clint because mm. he's just... Do you know what? I don't think I want to spend the Black Widow review podcast talking about Clint because I hate him so much and I love this film. <laughs> yeah, in in the same way that the Loki series is potentially not necessarily about Tom Hiddleston Loki, mm. I can see them doing the same with the Hawkeye series. So great. Well, Florence Pugh. We've just mentioned Florence Pugh let's, and Elena. Let's, let's talk Florence Pugh. Let's talk about yeah. I would like you, both of you to talk about Florence Pugh. Fighting with my family is the one which I've not in. seen, which I want to Have see, you not? and even more now. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's it's one of those things that just kind of has breakout star performance, okay. I I think in her. Have you seen it, Laura? No, I think this is the first film I've seen her in. This Midsummer's she, too scary. She's in Little Women, isn't she? Yes, I've mm. seen that. She's yeah. Amy. Amy. Yeah, Amy. she's very Amy. good at yeah. And I mean, Little Women is a heck of a cast, and she is standout mm. good in it. So, yeah, no, I I think she's a wonderful actor. I really enjoyed seeing her take on a, a physical role again. I mean, fighting with my family is a very physical role, so you, mm. um, you know, she can do the things if you've seen that. But it was lovely to see that elevated, and I thought that she really had that kind of entire performance, which is having having to act the same sort of character as Black Widow next to Scarlett Johansson, who's been doing this for a very, very long time, mm. is a big ask, and I thought she absolutely nailed it. Um, and never looked, you know, less or, or younger in that sense. And when they mm. said, you know, <laughs> when Alexis says, oh, you're, you're the best child assassin, I I believe him. Mm. Yeah, completely. No, and um, and I liked that they, they did mirror... Um, I keep wanting to say widow, but that doesn't really make a lot of sense anymore. <laughs> they did, um, they did mirror Nat's style to a degree and the fluency and everything, but that Yelena had her own. It was much more brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, like when she takes out that widow at the beginning, before she's been released from the mind control, and that is really, you know, she's she seemed to be more effort into it. I don't know. Nat Nat's style has always seemed to be very kind of. That I saw this whole thing with her trainer that they practice her breathing to make sure that she can keep her face looking normal while she's mm-hmm. doing this real exertion. Whereas with Yelena, it's felt much more kind of brawling. Her face is in it as well, as well mm-hmm. as the... Uh, you, you've the used the expression about the way Natasha fights as balletic. Yeah. And yeah, this is much more about... She's actually fighting. Yeah. It, uh, but I think there's enough of it in there that you recognise her still mm-hmm. as being a widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I I think with Nat, I think you get the idea that she has more of a conscience. And uh, Mm. well, I don't want to rip your face off, but (laughs) if I must, (laughs) let's at least do it with style. And, (laughs) you know, it's more it's more performative. And I think that the Avengers are more performative. Yeah. Um, and that's why you have the whole the posing thing. You're such a poser. That's why Elena is. And and I I really enjoyed that. that. I think. Yeah, a thing that that will make sense of it all is that I love sibling comedy as an only child. Okay. I am mm-hmm. a sucker for sibling comedy. So that whole you're opposing, you're like this, and then when she tries it, and she's just like disgusting. Yes. <laughs> just oh, it was hilarious. Loved it. <laughs> but yeah, that is the difference. I think is Nat is aware that she is seen as well. Yeah, and I, I um I liked with this. It was interesting. I felt that we got. We got the end game, Nat. 
more so than a Civil War Nat. Mm. Much softer, less snarky, mm-hmm. um, which then made room for Yelena to be the more kind of snarky one. So if they'd both been doing it to the level that Nat used to do it, mm-hmm. I think that would have just felt a bit just too um, too much. Yeah. But and the, and the point that Yelena makes, yeah, well, we're both killers, but you're the killer the little girls call their hero. Mm. That really did make me think, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, I mean, obviously I've always known that that is her character, but she has been one of my favourites. And it, it does kind of go, oh, actually, I don't know how healthy this is. But that speaks to how strong the sequence with her and Tom Hiddleston is in Avengers. That it sets out that she is trying to clean her ledger. Mm. That she knows this thing and she is trying to do good now. In the same way Tony Stark is doing, but he gets whole films to explore it. But in that one bit of dialogue, they manage to set up what this character is and what she's doing. Mm. Um, Which obviously is the place where we reference Dracov's daughter. Yes. And it is very nice that that becomes a big piece in this film. Like that, as ever, I love a big world and I love, you know, the world building when it delivers. And that absolutely delivers for me. It was really good to see it and go, okay, we've got sequences in Budapest where she explains that and she's explaining the Dracov's daughter. And then it becomes an actual plot point in this film. Amazing. Mm. Yes. And that we get the the explanation of Budapest. Mm. And I really like that um, throughout this film, the violence has consequences. Um, I, I had real problems early on with the MCU, particularly sort of around Iron Man 2, where there's mm. a lot of violence without consequences. There's, there's a lot of just full strength smashing people up, and it doesn't look like it hurts. And when you see kids play Avengers with their Avengers toys and their Iron Man suits and all of those things, properly smashing each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, I know, you know, but also these ones are like 12 rated, but yet we dress six year olds. It's a different thing. But what I like is that this film had consequences. There were bruises, there was blood. It Things hurt, yeah. and people were damaged yeah. irrevocably, and people died, and it was bad. Mm. And I think that that was firmly shown all the way through. Mm-hmm. I thought the action was great. The, the fighting mm. and, and, and the biggest stunts as well. I mean, that kitchen fight between the two of them, Oof. there's a bit where Yelena, exactly, Yelena throws Nat and she kind of horizontally hits the kitchen surround it, yeah. and ricochets off it. And you just kind of like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, wow. That looks like it really bloody hurt. Thinking of, of the way it's quite hard to do new things after you've done this many of this kind of film, I really mm-hmm. thought that ricochet was a real, like, sit up in your seat, just kind of, oh, wow. Yeah. Like an open mouth, oh. That's mm. it's a new thing that I've, I've not seen on a screen. But if we're talking that this film couldn't have been made in earlier years because of some of the uh, context of the plot, mm. we're now in a post- Atomic Blonde post John Wick world, mm. um, and you know however many Bourne films there have been, um, it, it, it they must have had to think very hard about how they do some of this stuff because it is absolutely in that vibe in a number of places. Um, but I think I think it was better. I think it didn't go to it was it was so nice to watch an MCU film with humans, mm. yes. and like you say with consequences, and we're not then thinking oh what's the trick he's going to do with his telekinesis superpower or you know get out of it because he's got jet boots on or something yeah Mm. something else that i really liked about the characterization of these two women is that they were sexy but not sexualized (gasps) yeah and we got i mean obviously um i'm sighing in a good way (laughs) 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 yeah she took her top off and we only saw her back what bs is this (laughs) 
but uh, yeah. just the yes, Nat's outfit was considerably tighter than um, than Yelena's, but the the weren't I don't know just the way it was shot. There were actually a few ass shots that I was a bit surprised at, given that it's a female mm. director. Like I mean, like lingering ass shots of um, of Nat and ScarJo mm. does have a lovely ass. But it's you know, given it has been filmed so much in these um, in these films. Um, I was trying the third time I watched. I was trying to actually pick them up. Um, I got too engrossed in it again. But one of them is when she goes to get the petrol can and puts it in the car. Mm. The shot follows her ass around, um, which I was just a bit surprised at. I saw but a other than that, comment about that from the from the director saying that earlier oh. on in an early cut she had a shot of um, when she's in in Norway and watching. Uh, Moonraker, and she's in a t-shirt and pants. And originally, there was kind of a, a an appreciative shot, let's say, of her being mm. in bed looking super hot doing this. And all the men were like, "No, you must take this out." And she was like, "But Scarlett Johansson is really hot." <laughs> and they're like, "No, that's not what people want in the Black Widow film." And I thought that that yeah. was interesting that the director was still like, "Can't I just objectify her just a bit?" Because <laughs> have you seen this woman? <laughs> She still looks super hot a lot yeah, through yeah. a lot of it. Oh, but yeah. also, like, you know, she wasn't made up. If you think of or not made up, made up, you think of her in um the beginning of Civil War in particular, mm. and she's got the full fake lashes, the full, you know, mm. um evening almost evening eye makeup. And with this it was like how she was at the beginning um after the five year jump in endgame. You know, she's mm. not got lashes on. She doesn't even look like she's got mascara on. And uh, and that goes to the character, I think, and where she is in this. You know, if you're I, on the th- run, you're not putting your strip lashes yeah. on. Absolutely. I think it's a far cry from what Jon Favreau was doing with her uh, oh, God, in Iron yeah. Man 2 and so on. And I think all the filming. I mean, I mean, you're saying that shot, because I, I did not notice anything of this. There was nothing no. that I thought. And particularly, I think they're sort of calling attention to it by having her take her top off and she's there in just her bra. And the point is, look at the bruises. I think it's funny because I didn't even th- I I only thought about the bruises and yeah, I, it, I, to be honest I didn't I didn't think, think about I'm it saying. and I think that's if, that's camera work and mm, storytelling yeah. but but I think the shot of her carrying stuff they'd have done that with a male actor I think I oh, think yeah. that is seen setting and, and showing the petrol can that's being carried more than anything else so I mm, it, like the petrol can wasn't in the middle of the shot but, but it's no, interesting I, I, I I'm happy to say that I'm yeah. oversensitized I'm yeah, oversensitized yeah. about that stuff. Um, on while we are talking about hair and makeup, the braids. Oh, it makes me want to grow my hair long again. Melina's there's this, there's this, yeah, just all of them. They've got so many different braids mm. that they wear. Uh, and there's this really great thread, if I can find it again, where someone, I think it goes off the um, trailer because it's before it came out, but they then show you how to do each of the braids. Oh, cool. So um, I will, if I can find that, I'll put it in the show mm. notes. Beautiful. Can, whilst, whilst we're on that, can, can we just quickly touch on the aesthetic of um, Child Natasha? Because not mm. for nothing did I feel a really yes. unex. She's wearing my shoes. She's got my hair. Well, she's got Kurt Cobain hair, uh, but, which is lovely for slightly kind of post Kurt Cobain times. Um, you know, I I did not expect a firm kinship with young Natasha, and I mean, what a way to bring me in! I felt very personally attuned to this. It was. I, I will say it is odd. I do not usually see myself in such things, and that was strikingly odd i i'm fascinated by what i'm assuming is de-aging on david harbour and rachel vice because mm. well rachel vice does not look 51 at the best of times well that's that's fair but it, it was flawless in whatever they did i mean he looked very much like stephen king 
he was doing that sort of, uh, you know, aesthetic of man in the sort of 80s and 90s with the big mm. glasses. Um, but I think they were doing some of it, but I think they're getting much better at it now. Or maybe it's just because they're not doing, trying to make Luke Skywalker look 30, 40 years younger. For instance. Yeah. Mm. And and then obviously when you saw David Harbour later, he's got the big beard and all that kind of stuff yeah. to, to differentiate him. I love the curtains every time I see <laughs> see these ones to like the same with vision with his curtains yeah it's oh, brilliant it's just so marks the time doesn't it thank god they haven't come back so let's talk about the opening then loved it loved it loved it i i really enjoyed that they used music with sort of pertinent lyrics which is something that does and doesn't happen in in the mcu mm. um so i really enjoyed that this time i felt that was happening i i'm always concerned with nirvana music showing up in places mm-hmm. like this because there was a man who wrote the music and killed himself because he didn't want to see it go to a happy clappy place of being used to market and radio friendly unit shifters mm. and so on. And now it's being used in a big superhero film in a very slow... It just... Mm. I don't know. And I don't know whether he would be okay with it. There is a obviously the Nirvana estate that is managed and they know what his wishes were, so who knows. But at the same time, it's a very beautiful version of that song. <laughs> and I really enjoyed it in the thing. Um just always a bit weird. I've, I've never heard it in, you know, nursery or a dentist or something at least. So there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I thought it worked well because, you know, it's probably a song that she was listening to. Mm. I mean, there. the hair is there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and that version of it I thought was lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, not lovely. That's not the right word. But, you know, it was no, fitting. It, it was beautiful. It um, really worked, yeah. And so I just, yeah, to be honest, when it, the first time I watched it and we've got the kids and I'm afraid I was a bit like kind of, yeah, yeah, get on with it, get on with it. I'm going to get to proper, <laughs> proper Scarlet, um, proper, what Scarlet, yeah, proper um, mm. Matt. But then when it started playing out and that action scene, that was a bloody exciting action scene. Mm. And, and it was tense because I made a big thing about not watching any trailers at all for this. I've accidentally seen the odd tweet, but I've managed to skip through. I've muted everything. Um, and so I didn't really know what happened. And so I didn't know who made it through that scene or you know, I, I thought Elena was going to because I knew she was in it later on. But I, felt, I thought it was really exciting and and also incredibly emotional. You were these two girls in mm. it mm. and particularly little Elena who had no idea what the hell was going on. And then that knowing what, you know, what she thought this was taking her back to. I think the montage did a really good job of setting up um, Dracoff as being incredibly influential. Mm-hmm. The fact that the widows are out there um, and we see them in different um, war zones and things. But also, as you said, we didn't need torture porn. This sets up enough to show mm. what they, they were going through. It yeah. towards enough of it without having to show in detail. I agree. I, I loved the opening. And it also, again, it felt like something quite new. And because we've had this gap with new films coming out, you know, we've had so few new big action things. It's it's hard to kind of track how the genre is moving along. Mm-hmm. So just kind of having this sort of interspersed current storyline, storytelling, flashback scene setting interwoven with the song and with the credits I felt like that sequence did so much work in a way that I can't remember seeing a credits scene do (laughs) so Mm. many concurrent things but also showing us that it's in this world it's this earth it's these are some politicians you know if you were around Mm -hmm. at the time you recognize some of this yeah and that was quite sinister as well I, Mm. I, I felt that you know we said grounded a lot but that was another aspect of its grounding you know this is a world you know 
if you're that age. <laughs> I, I I did think, and I think it happened on a couple of occasions, so I'm going to be interested to see if anyone pulls out any um, stills. When they inject her and throw her on the thing, the way she lands, I'm sure, is the way she lands on Vormir. And I think oh, there's a moment yeah. later, the same thing. I think they, they're going to that possibly too often because we've seen it in other properties that this is mm. the way they make women land, that it's supposed to evoke a certain thing. And I just think, pull back from it. It's definitely similar. I can't watch mm. Injection, so I don't know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, it's yeah. when, when, she's uncon- when the two girls are unconscious and put on the they're plane on the van, and they're kind of thrown yeah. onto... I didn't see um, that scene. Oh, you, you stopped okay. that bit. Okay. Well, no, Peg just said, look away, and I'll tell you when yeah. it's done. <laughs> I thought um, Baby Nat actress was an incredible match. Mm. And that's uh, Mila Jokovic's daughter. Which, oh, when you know that, really? she is literally a carbon copy of Mila Jokovic. Oh, well, yeah, and Mila Jokovic has a similar sort of yeah. aesthetic, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I can totally see it. Mm. Oh, wonderful. Well, and she's not done many films. She's played her mother in um, Resident Evil and I think Brilliant. one other film and I think it's only her third Incredible. credit well, I thought okay. she was really good I expect we'll see much more mm. because I mean I thought again it was having that depth in there um, which I talked about Florence Pugh having as well and just that sort of she is such a specific character at that point in time when we're seeing this like Matthew said she knows what she's going back to um she contains so much the way that she reacts to her family, to everything being broken up, and the way that she tries briefly to sort of take charge of things and, and simply can't. Um, I just, I loved everything that she was in. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we've mentioned Drakov as well there. Let's talk Ray Winston. Let's. Famous Russian accent actor Ray Winston. Let's talk about Ray Winston. What do you guys think? Because it's very clear how in love with I with him I am. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic. Very sarcastic. Okay, cool. <laughs> There's an interro bang at the end of that sentence. <laughs> oh, what? It's a punctuation joke. <laughs> okay, fine. It's, it sounded dirty. Um, so the word "bang" is not inherently dirty. <laughs> Let's just be very clear on this. <laughs> uh, it's you, Matthew. Um, <laughs> so this is—I just said earlier that um, I was really pleased. I've not seen any of the um, any of the news about it, any of the trailers, because there mm-hmm. were lots of bits where I was like, "Oh, I don't know where this is going to go." I had no idea Ray Winston was in this film, Same. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, and this is one of the ways where perhaps it would have been useful for me to know because I did not buy him at all. And I think perhaps if I'd been prepared for that, I, you know, it might not have been quite such a sharp slap in the face. Um, it was better the second and third watch, but definitely the first one. He's, he was just Ray Winston. He wasn't... The only time I thought he was like really convincing is when he was punching um, Nat and she couldn't defend... Or, wasn't defending herself um and there's one stage where she's on the floor and he menaces over her and i thought you've got the body language so bang on mm-hmm. there because he wasn't he wasn't like flailing around it was quite still and that was really good but the accent was awful and it just it felt like i was watching ray winston running the red room right how about you the 12 year old who was super into watching um mm-hmm. scum which is his kind of breakout performance which is an incredible film. It's absolutely no fun at all, but it is about a it's about Borstal, okay. um, a boys' boarding school, which is an interesting compare and contrast to this role that he is in, as somebody who literally runs mm-hmm. 
um, mm-hmm. a sinister version of Borstal. Um, mm-hmm. So I think in itself that is interesting. Um, I think also in uh, Nil by Mouth, where he plays a very abusive, unpleasant man. Um, again, he's an incredible actor who corners the market in abusive men with grotesque body language and often motives. Um, I wonder if this is a sort of cartoon casting, because, I don't know, if I was an esteemed Russian actor, how much would I want to play this role? I I wonder if this is, well, do we want them to be a Russian, the only Russian mm-hmm. male speaking role in, in this film to be played by a Russian? Would we would we want that? Um, because, you know, you've got Alexei, who's obviously also not a Russian actor. Um mm-hmm. I just, I, I feel like that is um, shying away, if you like, uh, from from making it realistic. I don't, I don't know if they want you to buy him as Russian mafia. I think they want it to be Ray Winston. I think they want you to be frightened of him, and that's the main thing. And to buy him as a hard man, and you're you're definitely going to get that from Ray Winston. Um, I also don't know how familiar with him in international audiences. I know he's in tons of stuff, but I don't yeah. know if his character is as firmly woven through international consciousness. Listeners do let us know if you're super familiar with Ray Winston and all that he brings with him or not. I would be curious to see how mm. an American audience responds to his character. I think the thing is he's... I've not seen him very much because it's not the kind of thing because it's quite, normally quite violent when he's around, which isn't really my thing. Um, but... I think he's so British in my head mm-hmm. yeah. that I just, it, it it felt like this character was putting on an accent when he had the accent because it did seem also to Also his accent drift. properly drifts, yes. Mm. Um, drifts. Mm. But yeah, if, if I had to pick out, it, it didn't ruin it at all, but if I had to pick out something that I thought didn't really work, it was him. That's, that's uh, my issue with it is, I mean, I'm British and I don't really know Ray Winston except for the football adverts. The, the betting efforts like that's like one of the yeah, main yeah. things for him yes. and, and randomly turning up in films so he can talk like this so I'm yes. you know hello I'm here with King Arthur in it is go, the and, thing go that he... and watch him being good okay. when he's good he's but phenomenal you're absolutely right you've got David Harbour as a Russian and you've got Florence Pugh as a Russian you've got Rachel Weisz as a Russian and Scarlett Hansen. And, and you've got Scarlett Hansen which like fine because it's an American character <laughs> by the stage she comes in so I can mm. s- you know, it's fine. But this was an opportunity to get a really good Russian actor, of which there are many. But but would you want to do it? Do Why do they always have to be that guy? You know, they must get offered that guy a lot. I, I I don't know whether they would want to do it or not. I think I think it is a real miscast to not have someone Russian. The only Russian person in this film is the lady playing Taskmaster. I don't think she <laughs> yes. gets a line. She gets um, one line. She gets one line. Bravo. She, she, yeah, she know. says, has, has he, is he gone? Right. Hmm. But, but this is what I'm saying, is I'm I'm not sure we're supposed to necessarily think of him as, you know, capital letter Russian, and, and to associate him too heavily, and I think it is in part... I mean, they need to release this film in Russia, for starters. I was trying to find some Russian reviews about employing my... I can't find any. Cyrillic searching. No, I'm not sure if it's out yet. There. Mm. But, but I, like I did all the have reviews a look. were in June from everyone else, so it's sure. yeah. I I am curious and and I yeah. I think that if um, if it was a film about British 
people and the only British actor in it was playing the bad guy, I'd be pretty cross. So I don't mind it being the other way around. I think I'd be furious if they got Ian McKellen to turn up and be the bad guy or mm-hmm. Sean Bean and they're the only British actor yeah. and all the Americans are playing the heroes. But they didn't get someone, you know, David Harbour is Alexei. But that's what I'm saying. And if if all the heroes were why have they cast David Harbour? There were some choices in here. Ray Winston is the one that stands out. Yes, Uh, David Harbour is the one that I think I I would rather have seen be Russian. Mm. Although I thought he was extremely good, and he he does bring perhaps they're looking for fresh Marvel audience as well. I I I thought he was good enough and fine, but and David Harbour often is. fine in what he does. Rachel Weiss was very, very good, but again, I feel like other people could have done that role and done that role very well. I really liked that it was Rachel Weiss, and I felt that she brought um, aspects of being the lead actress in big things. I I thought that she brought a feminist back catalogue of commentary in her casting, which was interesting. But I, I suspect there are Russian women who could have done that, and we wouldn't have known in that. But in the same way, there are other characters. I think you know we're saying potentially we're supposed to bring stuff that wouldn't have come across to everyone. So I feel like Marvel's casting books are fairly limited in some areas, Mm. and I think it shows when they expand outside America. Yeah, although we we did have some Finnish in there. Delighted to hear a Finnish (laughs) widow pop up unexpectedly. Laura, what was your point? Yeah, my point was just that Olga Kurilenko is Ukrainian, okay. uh, not Russian, and that's right. quite a big difference mm. culturally between those two. Well, uh, and at the moment, so... it's a major, major thing. So yes. you know, and and again, yeah, that sort of, yeah, that choice of casting is mm. interesting, especially because this, like, I, I in my head when I was thinking about it, like, okay, it's interesting it's come out now with the current presidency and the current relationship with Russia, but it was supposed to be in 2020 when the relationship mm. was fairly different, so. I, I don't know whether they are thinking about the reception of it overseas, certainly in Russia and, and other parts of Asia. Mm. Mm. They certainly made it in a lot of places. And this and to see that it was very much filmed in Morocco and Norway and Australia and Budapest and all over, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, that's that's still makes it feel quite dated in a way. And, and filmed in Henkley Common, about five, uh, Henkley Common, about five miles up the road. <laughs> where they fell out with the council because they blew it up before they had a license to blow it up. Oh, and, incredible. And there were lots of money changing hands at that point, apparently. This is what we're working with, people. Mm. So I think we're going to close it off here as a part one. So I have more that I want to talk about. I want to talk about Florence Pugh and the future of this series and cynicism therein. Um, I would imagine the two of you have areas you want to cover. Pages so much. <laughs> Any, anything you want to trailer? Oh, I really want to talk about Taskmaster. Uh, I want to talk about the entire ending scene with Draco. All of it, basically, okay. just two and a half hours. Just so through. much more. Just so scene. much more to say. <laughs> so we will get into that another time. Um, I think the main message is: if you haven't seen it, go and see it. If you have seen it, let us know what you think and let us know what, what your view on is on some of the stuff we've discussed and what else we should be picking up. So, as ever, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Elephant Gushing. Come and find us. Come and let us know what you think about Black Widow. <laughs>